Good morning, LinkedIn. Good morning, Robert. How are you doing today? Well, good morning, LinkedIn, and good morning, Doreen. You know, Doreen, today I'm so tired. I have a reserved parking spot in Dreamland. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, so we're going to talk about it. You know, we're here. We are open here. We're here to listen. But people, your favorite duo is back. We are back. Did you miss us? Let us know in the comment. Did you miss us? Because we definitely missed you. So, Rob, how was your summer? Oh, summer is just like any other time. There was no difference for me. You know what, though? I think people really missed you, Doreen. I know no one missed me because they still saw me and they were probably tired of seeing me. But everyone <laughs> missed you. Uh, thank you so much. It's true that for summer this year, I decided to take a break to unplug. And, you know, on this, post, on this podcast, we have like tough conversation. And oftentimes we talk about the fact that we need to unplug and it's hard. And we had an episode dedicated to unplugging, unplugging in order to recharge and how to take care of our mental health. So, yes, I practice what we preach right and i unplugged for the summer and, and i it don't felt, it felt them good so now it's your time or you should at least consider to unplug as well because you know it's a must it, it is necessary especially you know for our mental health when we are like so much on social media sometimes taking a break and taking a step back is is, is a must so wait, did you do anything exciting over the summer though? That is I the question. Did, I did so many things exciting. And let's let us know in the comment uh, if uh, what you have done this summer. Did you go on holidays? Did you stay home? Did you do something exciting? Was it a boring summer? Let us know in the comment what you did this summer. Actually, I went back to France for um, a couple of weeks. So I spent two months overseas, a couple of weeks in France and a couple of weeks in Tunisia. Um, so I got to enjoy the sun, the beach, uh, the good food, the Mediterranean food every single day for two months. <laughs> and yeah, people, if there is a recommendation that I can give you, if you feel down, if you feel you need to take a break, you need the sun, you need to eat good food, good food, go to either southern France, this is where I come from anyway, or to North Africa, because trust me, this is the better, the best remedy you will find out there. That sounds awesome. fancy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess now we can expect to see a lot of pictures on social media from your adventures this summer. Not on LinkedIn, though. I keep LinkedIn quite professional, but on my Instagram, like my stories are quite, you know, full of pictures of me during the summer. But I want to keep it professional, you know, neat and clean on LinkedIn. So you guys, if you don't follow me on Instagram, what are you waiting for? <laughs> yes, do follow Doreen on Instagram. You know what, though? Speaking of following, I, hmm, I guess the big tech companies are following us by way of our data, huh? Mm-hmm. And that's a great transition for today's topic because we are going to talk about profit over ethics. Are we protected enough in North America? Mm-hmm. And a couple of things, major things happened this week, this very week. 
and in Europe, actually. And we thought that would be great, you know, to bring you this topic so you can look at the difference between we, our private life and how our data are protected in Europe versus North America. And the question that you should ask yourself, you know, and how you should think about it in order to protect yourself and to protect your children. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious to know what actually happened this week, Doreen. Okay, so the, the first major information that happened this week, it's with TikTok. TikTok was hit with a $370 million fine in Europe over children's privacy missteps, the largest, which is the largest fine the company has faced to date. And according to the European General Data Protection Regulation, the regulatory body, which is basically the regulatory body uh, in, the, in the European Union, uh, define TikTok. Why? For handling, so let me quote them, for handling a sensitive data from children. Handling of sensitive data for children ages 13 to 17 who have used the app as well as from kids under 13 whose personal data TikTok has processed as part of determining whether they were old enough to be on the platforms. And the thing is, users must be at least 13 to be on TikTok. But if you, if you have downloaded the TikTok app or if you follow TikTok, you know literally that you have very much younger kids. And so here's where it becomes interesting, people. Actually, there were two investigations launched in 2020, okay? Mm -hmm. So the one about handling the handling of data from children based on TikTok public by default settings and the family the family pairing tools. So if you have kids and that you have been using the family pairing tools, look at it for from a closer angle because it's not clear about the way your data and the, the data from your children are being used. So that's the first one. But the second one, the second one, you're not ready for that. <laughs> the second investigation, which has not provided its final conclusion yet, is about the unlawful transfer of European users' personal data from European Union to China and whether yes. it was sufficiently transparent with users about how it was handling, uh, how their information were handled, basically. So something that we didn't know, at least I didn't know, and this is why the European Union raised the red flag is, first of all, they are not, there is not enough transparency when it comes to the use of our data, especially for kids. But secondly, there is a lack of transparency when it comes to um, sending our data to China. Yeah, so now, Doreen, you know how I feel about TikTok. I call it the Satan app. Yeah, I know. I will say, I believe that Europeans have a higher expectation on data privacy than Americans. The GDPR, the General Data Privacy Protection Act, it's not new. I worked for several companies where we had to comply with it, and it is an extremely, extremely strict law. So that's the first thing I'll have to say. Companies have to first make your data 
available to you so that you know what data they have of yours. And they are supposed to give you a mechanism to delete your data if you want it deleted. That is what GDPR states that companies must do. So American companies that have operations in Europe have to comply with GDPR. Now, as for the part about data being sent to the Chinese government, politicians in the U.S., some of them have tried to sound the alarm mm -hmm. and they have been shut down. True. Donald Trump tried to sound the alarm on several instances. He wanted to ban TikTok and they called him all kinds of names. And here's what here's what I'll say now. Just because you don't like someone doesn't mean that everything they say is bad. True. There's also another senator in the U.S. named Josh Hawley. He has often said a lot of things about TikTok and has tried to ban it in his state as well because they are sending data to the Chinese government. And do you want someone monitoring all of your activities? Doreen, do you want somebody monitoring all of your activities? No, I don't. And, you know, this is one of the major... Of course I don't. Even though I'm, I'm, I'm not doing anything special or I'm not hiding anything from the government, <laughs> I don't. And I think it, it, there is a major and an obvious... Uh, uh, a difference mindset when it comes to uh, privacy, the notion of privacy and data protection between Europe and Europeans and, and the US. And actually, I was reading an article that is very interest, uh, interesting about uh, this topic, where basically the main difference is in the US, it is commonly accepted that, you know, higher um, institutions would have access to your uh, private data in order to protect you because there is this idea that when people if people if organization if institutions have and collect your data it's in order to protect you whereas in europe mm. it is completely different and so there is this you know french people and i always oftentimes say it on this show i'm skeptical this is my french slide <laughs> but we are we are because the way we think about it is why would the government or why would uh, a big tech company or whatever institution have access to my data what's for what's the what's the end goal right so we will question the idea and the fact that people that we don't know institutions that we don't know that we haven't agreed directly in and you know clearly to give our personal data to to use our data for whatever purpose so this is the main shift and this is and you can this is the main difference and you see it in the law in the way the european union tries to protect its citizens and also you see it in the requirements that uh that companies are mandatory to uh to meet you know I want to go back on something that you said, because I found it very interesting that Americans think that having their data in the hands of organizations protects them. I think it's worse than that. I think that they don't even understand the dangers, the potential dangers of having all of our data in the hands of these big corporations. I don't even I don't even know if they think it's for protection. I think they just don't care because 
the uh, the dopamine hits that they get. The dopamine hits that they get on Instagram and TikTok is worth it to them. But I don't think they really? understand. Yeah. Wow. That, that's very interesting. Actually, we have a, uh, Isabel here, Lacroix, you know, welcome, Isabel, who says, spot on the ring. If the question is not answered or answered with fluff, how are consumers supposed to not feel this is sketchy? And this is one of the yes. main difference between Europeans and North Americans. And I'm saying North Americans because in Canada, and it is exactly the same. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to Isabel's point, too, you have to think about this. All of these applications that we access, we access for free. Yeah. Kind of. The cost is our privacy. The cost is our data. Nothing in life is free. And if something is, quote unquote, free, that means we actually are the commodity. So somebody is making money off of us. Yes, exactly. And something in the U.S. that was fairly new for me when I moved to Canada is in, in, in France, in Europe, when you sign up for a newsletter or whatever programs, you know, your data stay there and the company, whatever company is not allowed to use those data or to sell those data, you know. Uh, there was a monetary uh, component to it at some point where an organization, let's say with a mailing list of 10,000 people could sell that mailing list to other organizations who then, you know, target you for advertisement and so on. It's been years now, decades, that is no longer possible in Europe. But here, to my surprise, so I'm not sure to what extent, but you know, when you sign up for something, yes, you can unsubscribe, but the organization collecting your data is allowed to sell your data for whatever purpose, you know, so to marketing company and so on. And see, this is why oftentimes you find yourself receiving emails from things that you didn't sign up for, but actually, you know, that was just your information was sold. In Canada, there is a law now that, um, you know, uh, prohibit organizations to sell your data to another one. I don't know if that's the case in, in the U.S. though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Companies can definitely sell our data, but there are rules in place now where you have to be given notice that your mm. data will be given to a third party and you have to detail exactly what that data is going to be used for. But let's get back to TikTok, though, because what I find interesting is we all know that anybody can sign up for TikTok. And when they have these rules in place that say you have to essentially protect children under 13, let's yeah. talk about a couple of telltale signs that show that somebody is possibly violating this or how companies actually do it, how they actually get the consent. So sometimes they say you must obtain parental consent and they say before collecting any personal information, the parents must consent. So how do they do that? There are a couple of ways that you can do it. One, they ask for a credit card. So if there's credit card verification, then it has to come from a parent. But kids have found ways around that, too. But but. The other way is some organizations actually do video conferencing with the parents. Now, mm -hmm. very few organizations do that because that takes a lot of manpower and a lot of money. And then sometimes there's just a consent form where you just check a box and say, I am above the age of 13. Yeah. So
So, which of course, <laughs> any kids <laughs> can check that box and confirm wrongfully, but confirm that they are above the age of 13. So this is a real concern. And there is a raising concern about that. As you said, in the US, many, a couple of politicians, you know, raised their voice about it. And this fines of the 370 million euros, something isn't, is the biggest uh, find that any social media platform uh, or organization faced up to now. So this is uh, quite new, but this is not the first time actually that TikTok was fined by regulators. Earlier this year, Britain's data, so the Britain's data watchdog issued TikTok with a $16 million um, uh, fine for breaking the British data protection laws right and it's processing of kids information once again in 2021 the dutch authorities issue almost a one billion a one million dollars a fine for similar violations and in 2020 the same uh the federal commission reached uh, a six million dollars um settlement with uh, tiktok right so but listen in 2022 the review new posted by TikTok was 80 billion, 80 billion in revenue. So you understand even though governments, organizations are starting to find the platform, it's just like a drop in the ocean because a couple of hundred of dollars compared to their multi-billion, you know, in revenue, what it doesn't even impact them so i believe that's why they don't care and they keep doing what they are doing the way they are doing it it's because no matter what no government no insti institution has been strong enough and powerful enough to hit the 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 platform in a way that will push them force them to change the way they use our data private data data and especially when it comes to to children yeah, now now check this out, Doreen. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something else out there. So we've talked about how there's a difference between the way Europeans versus North Americans look at data and data privacy. Europeans seem to be a little bit more strict with data privacy, which I personally think is a good thing. Now, in the US. We've passed something called the Cloud Act. And what that is, is clarifying lawful overseas use of data act. We passed it in 2018. And what it did was it aimed to address the challenges of accessing electronic data stored by service providers outside of the United States. So what it does is it compels tech companies, regardless of where they're based, to provide stored data that is within their control, regardless of where it's stored. Now, one of the dangers of this is it bypasses normal laws and regulations, you know, like going to court, getting subpoenas, things like that. Now, one of the good things about it is if there's an investigation of terrorism or something like that, then you have good access, you have quick access to the information. But to further hit home your point, you have GDPR, which is a regulation in Europe, which tightens privacy restrictions. But then you have the Cloud Act in the U.S., which aims to open up some of those restrictions that GDPR put in place. Yeah, they bypass it. 
they bypass it. That's what they do. But you know, it tells, it speaks to the power of those giant tech that are even more powerful than governments themselves. And you know, I believe this is a great transition to the second point that we want to bring to the conversation today, which is also most of you or some of you may not be aware of it, but no later than Tuesday, okay, this Tuesday, this uh, past Tuesday, France has banned the sale of iPhone 12. So do you know, Rob, why France has banned the sale of iPhone 12? Uh, because the iPhone is an inferior device to an Android. I mean, is that, is that why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we can tell you are not an Apple or iPhone fan, right? <laughs> <laughs> that could be a good reason though. That could be a good reason, but that's not for that reason this time. Oh, Actually, uh, yeah. So France has, has asked uh, Apple to stop selling the iPhone 12, claiming that the device emits electromagnetic radi radiation levels that are above the European Union standards for exposure. So let me explain. So the regulatory body also in France, you know, in, char in charge of testing those uh, devices uh, found that when the iPhone 12 is held in a hand, and actually I do have an iPhone 12, right? So I'm, I'm directly <laughs> concerned by this. So when the iPhone 12 is held in a hand or carried in a pocket, its level of electromagnetic energy absorption is 4.70, is 5.74 watts per kilograms. High, which is higher than the, the, the European standard of four watts per kilograms. Right, so basically, it's forty percent higher, forty percent above the limits that is allowed in the in, in within the European Union. Now, here's the thing, and I know that you know in this show we like talking controversies and we speak our mind, and not that we are right or that we are wrong. We just bring you a different perspective to a conversation, and of course, we encourage you to share your perspective and to share your experience in the comment section. The thing is, if you look at the international standards when it comes to uh, the, the, the level of electromagnetic energy absor absorption, the international standard is of 40 watts per kilograms, 40. So this is the international standard. Then you have the European Union standard, which is 10 times below the international standard, okay, which is four. So basically what uh, Apple is saying is like, we are still, you know, way below the, the, the international standards, so that's fine. But here's the tricky part though. When you look at international organizations, you know, setting up the bars, the bar for international standards, what organizations are we looking for? The World Health Organization, in that case, we are also looking at, and let me find the name, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and other organizations that are mainly led by the U.S. So when you look at international standards, European standards, and what it is allowed and acceptable and practiced by the big giant American tech companies, there is often time, you know, like uh, um, a strange 
a strange job and say strange, but there is oftentimes, you know, like similarity between the US standards and the international standards. And so when the European Union decides that, no, the standards that she want to set up, I mean, the countries, the 27 countries want to set up for to protect their citizens is 10 times lower, then Apple is like, yeah, but listen, we don't care. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting, so profit over ethics, that's our topic for today. Are we protected enough in North America? And today we took the tech slant on it. So we only looked at it from a tech standpoint. But I would encourage people to do research in foods and pharmaceuticals. When you look yeah. at foods, too, there are a lot of um, ingredients that are banned in other countries that we still allow in the U.S., so I think it's a very good question. Are we putting profit over ethics? And Doreen makes a really good point. International standards are typically more stringent than U.S. standards. A lot of profit originates in the U.S. And so oftentimes we overlook those international standards. But but let me ask you, Doreen, though, what do you think is going to happen now, though? Because I would imagine that this is going to be a big blow to Apple if France stops selling the iPhone, surely I think some other countries might follow. So actually, not really, because apparently, based on the information that was provided, um, Apple can fix the issue just by doing an update on the iPhone, right? Ah, okay, well, yeah. Go. So, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I know you were hopeful that, you know, like the big giant would be hit somehow, <laughs> But no, that Apple rem remain one of the most powerful companies in the world, right? So apparently, if they do an update, uh, they could fix the issue and bring the 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 how we call it. Let me find my notes. Bring the electromagnetic radiation level to below to the level uh, of uh, Europe, which is below four watts per kilograms. Then that would be okay. But where it becomes interesting, though, is that Apple said that they would think about it, but they are not even considering doing it. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. You know what? That begs another question then, too, because I don't know if you remember where Apple was sued at one point because uh, it was alleged that they were, uh, um, oh, goodness, what am I trying to say? It was alleged that they were making the batteries drain on the iPhone, making mm. the phone's battery drain uh, faster than it should have been. And there was a lawsuit, and I think they actually lost that lawsuit, if I'm not mistaken. So, so that begs the question, why is it that we don't necessarily, quote unquote, do the right thing until we're forced to? That's a good question. And again, it's because profit over ethics is what is the rule, especially in a capitalist um, um, society, right? As long as you make money, uh, that's that's what matters. And you know, so this is uh, off topic, but I'm going to share it here today with you because I watched the three or four episodes yesterday on Netflix about the uh, oxycodone. And, you know, the impact in the U.S. and all of this. And if you haven't watched the documentary on Netflix, I strongly encourage you to, to watch it because it speaks to the level of, you know, 
of I don't want to say incompetence, but the the level of greed of some people and the level of incompetence of other people. When you think the FDA, when something is approved by the FDA, you would think, oh, it is serious. You know, the FDA is a big, massive organization. When actually, the FDA just the FDA just is just a few people, right? It's just a few people, and so they can only do what they can do, right? Facing the the, the lot of work that they have, but that's for another topic. But just to tell you that. They sold the oxycodone for years, killing so many people and generating billions of dollars. As of today, this family is still owns uh, billions of dollars, right? So this is where you see the downside of, you know, like, putting profits over ethics. But unfortunately, this is the world we live in. It's not going anywhere. So what we can do here on this podcast and through the conversations that we have and the topics that we bring to you is to increase awareness and encourage you to do some digging, to do some research and to, you know, make you and help you understand, better understand that everything that you do has an impact. Everything that you buy, everything that you 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 use as may have a potential impact uh, on on you and on your life and for you to be aware of it you will be ahead of most of the population yep agreed so what a beautiful way to end this conversation don't you think so absolutely <laughs> so thank you everyone for joining us today and for watching us for those of you listening thank you for being part of the beautiful good morning linkedin community we are happy to uh, be back every uh, saturday morning live on linkedin and on other platforms and of course you can listen to all our episodes on your favorite podcasting platforms and on our website but here before we go, do you want to address the comment from David? Oh, let's take a look at that. That's a accountability one. in our national and industrial leaders starts with the strongest men and women at the forum. Ladies, I cannot even begin. I'm guessing to tell you how important you are all in enhancing humanity's deficiencies buried in our narratives. Today is our last day in defining adverbs that emanate laziness and complacency in our men that lead. Today we together do something, something. So I think it's up to us as people to work together. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I don't think it really deals with men or women. It's people who want to actually make a difference in the world. Or you can maybe, men and women, elect better politicians. How about that? How about electing better politicians? That is true because the power is in us, right? Yeah, we do have the power, but we don't use it and we don't leverage it. So that's also up for another conversation that I believe we should have. So once again, thank you, everyone. You take care, you stay safe, and we will see you next week for another live episode of Good Morning LinkedIn. Bye-bye, everyone. Peace out.